morning, church. Everybody happy to be here? Yeah. Amen. All right. Man, I'll tell you, um, a new year, um, and I, I'm excited to see what God's going to do um, this year with us. I'll tell you, I, I was filled with a lot of hope from last week. I don't know about you guys. Oh, man, it was just uh, how God moved and, and how God used uh, Pastor Eric, and, and it just, man, it gave me a lot of hope. I don't know about you, of realizing that that God's going to use us if we continue to be obedient to him, amen, to, to bridge that gap and to be the people that he's called us to be. We just got to be real, we got to be genuine, and we got to be true to the gospel. And if we do those things, he's going to take care of the rest. And, man, I'm just excited what he's doing. So I just want to celebrate that this morning and just because what happened last Sunday uh, don't happen very much. Amen? Where people drop all that junk and all that garbage and, and, and it's all about Jesus. And man, I'm excited about that. And I want us to continue doing that. Um, after uh, Eric left, he said, brother, I hope this ain't the last time. I was like, if, as far as it's on me, it ain't going to be. So uh, let's, let's continue that. The second thing I want to celebrate before we get cranked up is, is yesterday um, we had a Connect Group leader meeting um, where we, all our Connect Group leaders, we sat down and talked about the direction that we're going this next year. And, and man, I'm excited because... I think a lot of times the missing element is, is people come to church and they get a message and then they go home and they don't apply it to their lives. You know, it's isn't for us to come sit, hear something, and go home, right? It's for us to be changing and growing closer and closer to Jesus. Amen? Amen. And so through our connect groups, that's where we believe real life change happens. And so we're going to start doing sermon-based, you know, going through um, going over the sermon that was preached on Sunday. And it's awkward when you're the preacher and you're a connect group leader. When Dallas preaches, I'm like, all right, let's know. How, how, what did the message speak to you guys? When I preach, I'm kind of like, all right, what about Sunday? You want to tell me how horrible I was or what you want to do? <laughs> but I'm just excited about that because we not only do you get to come on Sunday morning, but you get the opportunity to dive deeper in. Like this morning, we're going to start in Galatians. I can only preach so much in Galatians. There's so much more in there that you could deep, dive deeper in. And my heart for each and every one of you in here is that you would dive deep into God's Word. Amen. That we wouldn't just be people that like to, we just want to, like a, like a lottery ticket, we just want to scratch the surface. I want to be people that dig down deep, get, get, get what's in there. And so being, just be a part of that. If, if that's you and you want to dig deeper through this series as we go into it, then, then uh, just get with somebody. You, you don't have to join the church to go to the Connect Group. We would love to have you. Y'all come, let's get in, uh, get in, and let's just kind of just see what it's all about. Amen? Amen. And, and the last thing, that I'm jacked up about is that we get to start this new series in, in Galatians. We're going to go through, we're going to preach through all seven chapters of it in the next seven weeks. And then we're going to uh, launch our Bible reading plan for church-wide. Because I know that if, we, if I can get you guys reading the Bible, God's Word is going to change your life. And so we're going to be reading through the Bible together this whole next year. We're going to be weaving in and out, preaching series through what we're reading. Um, and so it's a way for all of us to be going down the same path and, and really just growing together in God's Word and growing together in Jesus. And, man, I'm, I'm excited about that. Anybody else in here is excited this morning? Yeah. All right. Amen. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get on into why we're here. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, God, for uh, what you're doing um, in the people uh, in this building, God. And I pray, Father, that, uh, Lord, that you continue to 
to work in our hearts. Lord, your word promises that he who began a good work will see it to completion, Lord. And I know that you're true to your promises. And God, I pray that you would just continue to help us just keep stoking the fire. And that God, we would keep just, uh, just running after you, Lord, every single day. God, I pray that this sermon, uh, Lord, that it would be what you want it to be, God. And if, Lord, if it's anything, if you want anything said different, then God, you take that, make my mouth shut and open it up when you want me to say something. Father, we want this to be about you and not about us. So, God, today I pray that you have your way with us, your way in us. And, Father, I pray for a spirit of freedom to be in this room. That, God, we would let go of what other people think. We would let go of our pride. And, God, we would look to you and only want to please you today, God. So, Father, move in us today. Change us for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, so we're starting in Galatians. And, and uh, some of you may ask, why, why Galatians? Why start in Galatians? And I, I mean, I love everything that Paul writes because he's so real. He's so genuine about, about things. And when I think about Galatians, Paul, Paul starts talking about real issues. When I read Galatians, I'm thinking about real issues in the church today. I think about stuff that we struggle with to this day. And he was really passionate about addressing these issues. And if it was relevant for them in those days, it's pretty much relevant for us today. And I think that some of the biggest thing, and you guys, if you've come here enough, you know my heart. My heart is to fight against religiousness. It's to fight against that spirit. If you come here, probably two Sundays out of a month, you hear me talk about it. Because that's where God found me in religion. Okay? He found me in this religious spirit, not in a relationship with him. And I saw how lost I was going to church every week. And so when you realize that, you have a passion for that. I think Paul had the same exact thing. I think Paul saw himself as a religious man, but he had lost the whole point of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. And so as you read through this, Paul's fighting against that whole religious mindset, that whole religious attitude. And the whole chapter 1 is talking pretty much to, to, fairly, to a fairly new church, to a lot of new church goers. It's easy for us to start going to church, and then we start bothering our life, not after Jesus, but after other church members. Brother so-and-so been going to church for 30 years. He's probably got it figured out, and he's just as lost as a termite in a yo-yo. You know what I'm saying? We want to sit there and, and, and look, at, look at other people and model our life to other people instead of modeling our life to Jesus. And so God's called us to, to stop looking at things in that dynamic and start looking at things, at, looking at Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So if he's our example, stop looking at your neighbor and stop looking to him. And if we would start doing that, we'd see a change, boy, in our, in our relationship with God. And so Paul started really just addressing those things because they were looking at each other. And so they were living their lives like people that were caught up in tradition. People that are caught up in religion. And so they were caught up in these things and they were abandoning the gospel that Paul had taught him, that Paul had preached to them. And a lot of us, we look and we're like, well, when you read chapter 1, a lot of times you're like, you know what, I don't, I don't think I've done that. I don't think I've walked away from the gospel. If we're not careful, we will allow our own opinion and the opinion of other people and our comfortability to make us start living a different gospel than what Jesus came and died for. And so that's why it's so important that we as the church going forward, that we protect 
the gospel, the good news of Jesus, because that is what saves the world. Not our opinions, not on how other people live. It's the gospel and how we live it out. And it's so easy because as I began to read this this week, I got convicted of some things that I was walking in that wasn't wasn't lining up with God. Looking at traditions of man and, 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 and putting other people's opinion higher than God's. And when you start doing that, it starts messing you up, and you start thinking, uh, you know, you're a little holier than the person beside you. Huh? And you start, you start elevating yourself instead of elevating Jesus. And when you start doing that, that self-righteous attitude puffs up your head, and you begin to look down your righteous nose at other people that haven't arrived yet and not realizing that we all ain't arrived yet. You know, so Galatians Chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to start. We're going to read a few short verses. But uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 is where we're going to start. If you've got, you got a Bible and you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Got your Bible reading people. I'm proud of you. All right. Verse 3 says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of of our, God, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are, are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under a curse. Am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, you read that, and that is some strong stuff. You know what I love about this, though, is you read all other Paul's letters. Paul starts out in this letter different than every other letter. Every other letter he starts out, he's encouraging people. He's like, he's he's trying to get on their good side, I guess you could say. He's, He's building them up. This one here, he goes right to business. It would be like you coming in Sunday morning and the worship wasn't playing, and I'm standing up here like this. You know something's fitting to go down, right? That's, what that, that's the language in which he used because he showed his disgust for them abandoning what he had, he, he had delivered to them and what they had accepted because they had allowed other people to sway them in a different direction. And so how many of us have allowed man's opinion to sway us from not living out the gospel to how God's called us to live it out. You know, we allow people and people's opinions and how we think they're going to think of us to, to dictate how we live this out. And what we do is we show people outside these four walls that there's a different gospel, that there's a different way to live than God's word, that it's acceptable to live any way you want to and go to heaven. And that's a lie, right? There's one way, and that's God's way. And, you know, and that, that's, that's all there is to it. And so I think we need to realize that Paul here, he was so just intentional about breaking down that barrier, breaking down the thing of realizing that, hey, anything contrary to what God says is a lie. 
I don't care who tells you, even if an angel tells you, and it's contrary to what we've delivered, is wrong. Somebody need to tell the Muslims and the Mormons that too, huh? Amen? Because that's what they believe. An angel came and told them something, and it's contrary to God's word. If y'all ever come in contact, you can use that little tidbit to minister to them a little bit. But the thing is, is I want you to realize today, if we go through this, go through this text, we're going we're to kind of dissect it a little bit today, a little different than how I usually preach, but we're going to go at it anyway. But I got two things I want to focus on this morning. Is, is the first thing is how, how do we identify the false gospel and how do we fight for the true gospel? Because that's the most important thing, the gospel. Okay, that's the good news of Jesus. That's, the, that's what we're living for, amen, the, the good news. So, um, so the first thing when he says in verse 6, he says, I'm astonished that you so quickly deserted the one who called you to live the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I mean, this man has been shipwrecked. This man has done all kind of stuff for Jesus, right? He's poured his whole life out, and then all of a sudden, these people that were all about Jesus done turned from him, man. He was jacked up, you know. And I, 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 kind of, I, I kind of get that. I kind of get that. Cause when I see people that I that I thought were saved, thought, okay, thought were saved. When I see people I thought that were saved and they're living a lifestyle contrary to the gospel, I'm like, oh my God, what are you doing? I'm, I'm what are you doing? I, I just, I, I, sometimes I have to go and I have to go shut myself up in the truck because I want to run over there and shake them. And then David arrest me for that, you know what I'm saying? That's assault, you didn't know that. But uh, it's like, wake up, man, because there's more at stake here than your comfortability. It's the, it's the gospel, it's Jesus that you're representing when you claim to know Christ, right? And so when you're living something contrary to the gospel, it paints the pictures of the world contrary to what the real gospel is. And we as God's people have to protect that with a holiness, with a realness. You know, what, what, was, what was coming against those people in those days is there was a, there was a, everybody that, that Paul was talking to, most of them were Jews. And so these Jews, they grew up in this religious, added this religious section where it was all about keeping the law. And then they get saved by the grace of God and was following Jesus, but yet their old habits, they're still trying to hang on to. You know, old habits are hard to break, ain't they? It's hard to break an old habit. But, but, but God's saying that when we start following Jesus, we wipe away that old me. That means all the old me, all right? not some of it, but all of it. And we start following in the newness of Jesus, transforming our, it says, by the renewal of your mind, right? And so changing the way we think, changing the perspective in which we have, everything comes through the lens of the gospel. And so most Christians in those days, they were, they were Jews that were being converted. And so it was all about, it wasn't just about the grace of God. It was about the things that you do and then the grace of God. It was all about the things you do to be saved, not that you do these things because you are saved. Y'all with me? One of the biggest things that, that, they, that they held as holy is circumcision. Is this, the Jewish people, in order to be right before God, you had to be circumcised. And so that was, that was a twofold thing. Number one, it, held, it set you apart from everybody else. They were the only nation that required circumcision. So they were, they were circumcised. And number two, it was outward. It, it, was, it was showing that they were holy. You know, pretty, I don't know how they went about showing that because that was kind of messed up. But you know what I'm saying. And if you don't know what circumcision is today, um, our discipleship pastor, Dallas Wilson, he loves teaching people. He would love to explain it to you. So uh, 
We ain't got time today, but he'll tell you all about it. Um, and so, anyway, it was one of the things, like it was, it was the essence of them saying, you're not just saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. You're saved because of circumcision plus Jesus. It's like, you're, isn't it? it's like you have to do something to be saved. In reality, we don't have to do anything to be saved, right? It's because of the finished work on the cross, the reason we're saved, the reason we have eternal life. And it's a free gift to all of us. We have to, what? We have to commit to following Jesus and, and, start, and actually live our life and follow him out of that. And we get caught up in so many traps in those things. And so many pastors, and even myself, don't want to preach that because you start preaching grace and people are like, well, I'm living under the grace of God and they want to go sin and they leave church on Sunday and they go buy them a, a, a keg of beer and go, I'm, I'm saved because, you know, I went to church Sunday. And they start being this hyper grace person instead of realizing that just because you are under the grace of God doesn't mean you can live any way you want to. You got to live by God's word, amen? amen? But when you start realizing what God's done for you, Man, that, that, that lifestyle is so easy to walk away from. And so the thing is, is, is that the whole thing with circumcision was, was, the, was the biggest thing of them trying to figure out. I reckon still trying to hold on to the old. Still trying to hold on to what they were comfortable with. Instead of really still trying to trust God. Because what they were saying was, I don't trust God to change me. I can change me. And so many, how many things do we hold on to? Trying to make a system, trying to make a schedule or a, a, a routine so that we can make ourselves holy instead of trusting that through the Holy Spirit's work in our life that he's going to make us holy. Come on, I know this gets a little deep. Y'all just hang in with me. I mean, that's the reality, is that there's nothing you can do in yourself to make you holy. There's nothing you can do in yourself to make you pleasing to God. That work was finished and complete on the cross. Debt paid in full, baby. That's what I'm talking about. It was right then and there. It was done. But see, the reality is, is how we walk in accordance to that shows what we believe. And it shows the faith in which we have. And what the people were doing is they were showing, they were pretty much walking a different, believing a different thing. They weren't believing that it was all on Jesus. They believed that it was on them and Jesus. And when we start trying to change that, we start putting a whole, it ain't just a different or another spin on the gospel. It's a whole different gospel, what Paul's saying. It's something totally different than what Jesus came and died for. You know, when we add things or take things away from the gospel, it's a lie. It's a lie. And that's why I have with, with other, that's the problem I have. If you're not living and breathing and living by this word, then you're living a lie. If, if you, I don't care what grandma said. You know, I, I'm just being straight with you. I don't care what they said. If, they're, if you're not walking with this, then you're walking in darkness. Amen. And Jesus, what does the scripture say? That, Jesus, that God has sent a great light. He sent Jesus so that he would illuminate our darkness, illuminate our blindness so that we could see the world through a different light, and that's through his eyes. You don't get his eyes by walking with your own sight. you got to put on the eyes of Jesus. Amen? And so we got to identify the old gospel. I mean, not the old gospel, but the fake gospel. And I love the thing of realizing what the real thing is. Y'all remember that old song? There's some people in here that's going to date you. 
Remember that old song by Marvin Gaye? Y'all remember that song? Ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Come on. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all was head bobbing then. Y'all was doing it. I mean, and I just sang in church, yes. But the thing is, Eric kind of inspired me last week. But uh, the thing is, is there ain't nothing like the real thing. There ain't nothing like the real thing. You can, you can, man, you can go and buy you one of them knockoff Coca-Colas all you want to. And you can drink it and you can lie to yourself and say, man, that was good. <laughs> but go get a real one. Come on. Go get a real one. I, I, I went and I got the Mexican Coke recipe is still the same as it always was. I went and got me one of them one day. I popped that thing. It was cold. And I drank it and I was like, oh, where you been all my life? <laughs> and it took me back to Western Alto sitting there with my granddaddy putting peanuts in the, co- in the, in the glass thing, shaking them up. Some of y'all, I mean, whew, if you ain't, you ain't saved, you ain't done that. I'm just telling you. God, that's good stuff. Go home and try it. But anyhow, I'll just go back. There ain't nothing like the real thing, and the real gospel is the only way. And it's refreshing. It's, it's life-changing. It's life-altering. And, and, it's, and it's so freeing because there's no way you're going to change unless you're going through the lens and going through the gate, as Jesus says, from the real thing. Go back to verse 4. Why is that so important? Verse 4 says, Who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our Father, of our God and Father? He says, He says, Do himself for our sins. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us. See, the reality of true, true, the true gospel is that we were in bad shape. He came to rescue us, all right? You rescue people that need help, right? You, you don't rescue people that are okay. You don't run over to somebody that's driving down the road, run them off the road and be like, man, let me change your tire. Be like, man, my, ch- my tire ain't changed. My tire ain't flat. I mean, you don't need to change it. You don't do that, right? You go and help people that are in need. I'm a firefighter and, and, as well, and, and, and man, I, I, we go in and we rescue people that are trapped in houses. We rescue people that are in, they're, they're, there's no way they can get out of the house unless a man covered from head to toe can go in there that's protected from the fire. Ooh, that'll preach right there too. But anyway, it goes in there and it gets the people that are, 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 are stuck and they rescue them and bring them out. We also cut people that are in, trapped in vehicles so that they can get help. We cut them out of vehicles and, and get them out. We rescue them out of, of that bad situation, that hopeless situation. So you need to understand, without Jesus, we're hopeless. Without Jesus, there's, there's no light in your life. But see, because he chose to come rescue you. See, you'd still be, you'd still be in that messed up spot if he hadn't chose to come rescue you. If God hadn't ordained him to come rescue you. And so to... to, to Push him off and say, you know what? I want it my way, God. I want to get out of this situation my way. That means you're saying I'm okay being mangled up and beat up in this vehicle. Who says that? No one ever. People say that that had never been in a wrecked car, I can tell you that. And if you're saying that this morning, you hadn't realized how jacked up and wrecked up your life is. See, but God says the only way, he came to rescue us, Okay. To be rescued means there's no other way out unless somebody comes and gets you, okay? So we were helpless, and Jesus came and saved us. So, so why were we helpless? 
We'll break it down. Why, why were we helpless? Apart from Jesus, you're condemned. There's no forgiveness of sin apart from Jesus. There's no way we're going to please God. And so because of that, Jesus, he, he came to this earth and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live to please God. To please God means to be sinless, right? You know anybody that's been sinless? Huh? No. There's no way. So Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we couldn't live to show us an example. And then he, then he died a death that we deserve to die so that we would not have to have that separation before God. He, he bridged the gap. So because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we can have communion with God every day. Amen? We're going to be filled with the Spirit and walk into communion with God. That's the real gospel. And so many of us are helpless and we're apart from Jesus because we're just spiritually dead. You can come to church, you can know all the right lingo, but until you submit your life to God and allow Him to work in your life, you will truly not know the goodness of God. And there's a lot of people that come to church and they're just going in this religious motion and they're dead inside. They've not, they, they walk in hopelessness. They walk in those things because they're not walking in the Spirit of God. What does what the Bible say? Where the Spirit of God there is freedom, right? Where there's freedom, there's peace, there's happiness. You know, and so, so many of us are bound by things because we're walking in this religion and not walking really close in this relationship with God. Y'all tracking with me this morning? This is a new year, right? We're going to be amen and amen. Amen. All right. Amen. So to realize this is before Jesus came, the trueness of the gospel is not that, it's not that we were just limping along and he came and helped us. I love, we didn't have a pulse. We were dead spiritually. Dead spiritually. Dead. Y'all with me? Dead spiritually. I love what J.D. Greer said. He said that so many people equate salvation to where I was, um, I was floating in the ocean and Jesus rode by and threw me a life raft and saved me. That's what we think. That we was doing so much on our own to keep us afloat and Jesus threw us something to help us. But the reality was he didn't find us like that. He found us face down, floating. We were dead. And because of what he did for us on the cross, allows us to walk in that freedom, allows us to walk in that, in that relationship. That's the gospel, people. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. He loved you enough to send his son point blank, and he did that for us. And if, when you start trying to do things to earn God's love, you start polluting the gospel. When you start trying to do things to try to make yourself look better than you are, you're, you're polluting the gospel. And the world needs the gospel. They don't need your version of it because we jack up stuff, people. Come on. Anything that humanity has put their hands in, they've jacked up. Because we're messed up. You know, if, we, if I mess up enough, eventually I'm going to look, all right, what's the common denominator? It ain't everybody else. It's got to be me. Sometimes we got to look around and be like, all right, God, I've done X, Y, and Z, and I've fallen short every time. God, what, 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 I, need, what I need to change? Where, do I need to, where, where have I gotten off? You know, the true gospel is that God saves us. 
God blesses us with this incredible gift, this unmerited gift. There's no way we could even get. He blesses us with this gift. And in response to that, we do good works. Okay? That's the gospel. We do the good works because of what God has done, not that because of what God's done. Come on, y'all with me? Y'all, y'all looking like y'all asleep today. Come on. Wake up back, bro. Come on. Y'all with me? All right. Amen. We do good works because of what Jesus has done. Jesus didn't do what he did on the cross because of our good works. If we were waiting, if he was waiting on us, he'd be backing up. We're not going to do good stuff, enough good works to, to equate him to do what he did because he's perfect. The gospel out of that context is perverted, is, is diluted, is messed up. How many people do you know that are living in a diluted gospel? It's not the trueness. It's not the realness. And, and today, you know, maybe we've not elevated, maybe we hadn't elevated circumcision of saying, hey, that's what you mean. That's what it looks like to follow God. Maybe, maybe it's not those things. But there's things that we've elevated, situations, circumstances above the gospel. I mean, how about this? Whenever we put things in context, whenever there's things that we put a, with salvation that makes you right with God, come on. Like, you got to be baptized in order to be saved. All right? Some people say that. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. Baptism is just like circumcision. It is an outward showing the world that I am a follower of Jesus. Now, I get baptized because I love Jesus, and that's what the Word says. All right? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saved because I am baptized. If that's the purpose, I would just go get wet, and then I wouldn't have to worry about Jesus to keep going. A lot of y'all done done that. You know, how, how, about, how about communion? I mean, some people in, in the Christian world, they think that, that salvation is equated with communion. If you don't take communion, then, then, you, then, you, then you don't really love Jesus. It, it, they're putting salvation with something else. Salvation plus words equals true salvation, and it's not it. Salvation works, period, because of what Jesus done on the cross. You know, how about we assume that, well, how about some of us, we assume that God's approval of us is based on how we've been living. Come on, we're getting real up in here. Y'all with me? I mean, it's all about, all right, so if I'm living right, if, I'm, if I haven't messed up today, if I hadn't had a bad thought today, if I hadn't went off on my boss today, then you know what? God loves me. But, man, I messed up yesterday, I reckon God's mad at me, and I better be careful because a thunderstorm comes down. He's going to throw something on me. I better be careful. Come on, some of y'all live like that. And the reality is Jesus came, and, and the real gospel is he, God loved you enough to send his son, period. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. You can be perfect and blameless the, your whole entire life. And he's going to love you the same as he loves the guy that's been a murderer his whole entire life and gives his life to Christ at the end. Your works don't tip the scales. Your goodness is only you trying to impress your neighbor, not God. Because you work because you love God. And see, when I see people that get that, man, they're willing to do anything for the kingdom. They don't care what it is. They want to serve God because they know what God served them. That's what the gospel is. 
And so many people get caught up in that. You, you, you think that God don't love you because you've messed up this week and you're walking in condemnation. That's Satan trying to jack you up and get you off the trail. You're believing in something different than the true gospel. How about, how about the thing, other thing, I love this is, is, as I was thinking about it. A lot of the false gospels we have in our communities today is, is the good person gospel. Man, I'm a good person. I mean, I'm a good man. I'm a good, I don't know how many good men and women have gone to hell. But I'm a good man. And I know, I, I know people, man, they are good as gold. I love them with my, with, I love them. They, they would do anything for me. They would give their shirt off their back for me. If I called them right now, they would show up and help me do anything I needed. But they are not following Jesus. Being good don't get you to heaven. And see, people that, that think that being good gets you to heaven, their whole theology is based on how they're living versus everybody else. I haven't killed. I haven't murdered. I haven't done all these things. They're, they're elevating themselves to a level in which they think is good, and that, that's messed up. That's a different gospel. They think they can believe anything they want to and still go to heaven. That's wrong. Good don't equate godliness. I mean, and we've got to grasp hold of that because if we're thinking that our goodness is going to get us to heaven, we're going to wake up one morning and uh, it's going to be very hot. It's going to be very dark. And we've been living a lie. We've been, we've been confused the whole entire time. See, the good news of Jesus is not the gospel of good people. See, in spite of people's situations, inside of good, inside of people being bad, God I want to tell you what, if it's between good people and bad people, God loves the bad people. He don't love them no more. He don't love them no less. He loves the good people just as much. But you know who love him the most? Most of nine times out of ten, the bad people. You know why? Because they realize how much they've been redeemed. They realize how much they've been forgiven. They realize how much God has done in their life. And people that's been, quote, unquote, unquote good their whole entire life, they, they think that they've reach the sin of godliness so that they don't have to worry about following God. That's a scary place to be, church. But a lot of people in our community is that way. I'm good enough. You ain't good enough for Jesus. We got to walk in that. How about when God got me with this, man. God got me with this this week. But how about we start living a different gospel when we try to grow somebody spiritually? Or we think we can grow spiritually alone. We think it's on our hard work. It's on our effort. It's on what I do that grows you. God humbled me about six months ago. I, pray, I, I confessed to, to y'all that I was preaching out of anger. And the thing was, is I was preaching my heart out. And, and Dallas was preaching his heart out and felt like nobody was changing. And God spoke to me. He said, Jeremy, I give the increase. You just shut up and preach. You know what I've been doing? I've just been preaching. But the reality is, we can't grow without the Holy Spirit, church. You can't grow without God. And the reality is, there's nothing in you that's going to grow unless you're following Jesus because the Spirit inside of you is hungry. There's nothing I can do to grow me. I can read the Bible, but I can't. it's the Spirit that helps me understand it. I can read it and know what to do, but the Spirit enables me to do it. 
It's the Spirit working inside of me through the gospel of Jesus Christ that enables me to live this thing out. It's all on Jesus. It's nothing on you. And that should take some pressure off of you. Because a lot of us are, are in this. We just, we, just, we just make this thing so hard. And we put all this pressure, especially as a connect group leader sometimes. I got all these people, and man, ain't nobody growing. And you think it's all on you to make these people grow. No, you just keep leading. You keep doing you. You keep being God's man, God's woman, and God will grow them. And if they real, they'll keep growing. If they ain't real, they'll fall away. You just be real and you be focused on God. So many times we can be focused on all this other stuff and we put Jesus in a box over here on the side of our life and he should be in the middle of our life guiding every decision that we have. And when we start thinking that we can grow people, we start showing the world outside there's a false gospel, that we are living a false gospel because it's not in our own power that we can grow anyone. See, God, we got to be careful because so many of us grew up and it's just second nature, but we grew up in churches and in community where it was about keeping rules, right? To, to be a Christian, you had to do X, Y, and Z. And rules are good, okay? Rules are good. You hear people talk about, I don't like rules, and it's like, you want to be a bunch of hippies and run free. But the reality is that ain't it. Rules are good. It keeps us in line. But when we start elevating the rules, over Jesus our life becomes about keeping these rules and not about pleasing God you know rules are good in my life my Christian walk I mean the rules that God has in place in my life I I believe that a Christian shouldn't drink I believe all these different things and these are rules that I live by it keeps me in line but when I start impressing my rules upon you I start elevating myself in the position of God. And we start looking down our noses at other people. And we start condemning people because they're not living up to our standard. And you know what, church? It ain't your standard you should be living by. It's to Jesus's. And you shouldn't hold anybody to your standard. See, that's where legalism comes in. We start being a legalistic church because we're holding people to a standard that they can't keep. And you ain't keeping yourself. You're just masking it. We start looking down our noses, and what happens is, is we've got all these rules that we're trying to, to keep. Because we think that if we're keeping these rules, we're pleasing God loves us more. So we're, we're, we're keeping the rules, so we're walking in this self-righteous attitude thinking that, oh, he loves me more than he loves this drug addict because look what they're doing. Come on. And the reality, when that drug addict gets saved and sanctified, they're going to blow the doors off your faith, brother, because they know what true saving faith looks like. And see, and God's called us to be a people that are not walking by our own rules. We're walking by His guidance every single day. And the reality is this. What I've realized, if you're living to please Jesus, you're going to keep God's rules. Because it, he, what did He say? I will write my word on your heart. He's going to, it, you're, it's second nature. You want to please God above anything else. So don't worry about the rules. Just worry about Jesus. Because if you are about Jesus, you're going to walk and keep the rules. But if you elevate the rules, you're, what you're doing is saying, God, I don't trust you to grow me. I trust my method. I trust myself more than I trust you. That's not the gospel, church. That's not the gospel. 
See, we, we often turn to the right theology too sometimes. We think that if we know the right theology, if we just know this and that, then you know what? Then, then I'm going to be better. God's going to love me more because I know more. There, there's one thing to know it. There's another thing to do it. Come on. I, work, I, don't, know, I don't know what any of y'all's profession is, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a land surveyor. There's a many an engineer I've worked with that has not worked in the field one day. The best engineers that I know are engineers that have field experience. The best engineers that I know are people that's worked in the field and know how to design something. Y'all with me? Y'all tracking with me in that? You can know what to do but not know how to apply it, and it means nothing. It won't work. And a lot of times we know what we should do. We know what they should do. But then you know how they going to know what to do is if you let it go from here to here, and you walk it out, and they see it. Some of the greatest examples of being a godly man is not a word that a man has preached, but a life that a man has lived. I've watched a many, many a godly man walk, walk it out. Love. I learned how to love my wife by watching other godly men love their wife. You can read seven thousand books on how to love your wife, Amanda. To see another man loving his wife and walking in that, and just seeing the joy in that relationship, man, I've seen that not just once, but more. God blessed me with having several other godly men in my life. I saw that, and it was just like, I want my wife to feel that way about me. Serving her out of a heart. See, church, we got to stop being people that stand on our own self-righteous towers and point down to the peasants below us and say, y'all need to grow and get up here where I am so that you can be loved by Jesus more. Instead of get down on everybody else's level and grab them by the hand, help pick them up and say, you know what, let me show you what God done in my life in this situation. Come on, walk with me. Come on, walk with me. I can show you better than I can tell you. Let me walk with me. See, church, God wants us to be a people just like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He picked disciples and he walked with them. He did life with people. He didn't just say, I'm God, do what I say. No, he humbled himself and he walked with everyday people. When we get what the gospel is, then we want to disciple people and walk with people not saying my theology is right, but saying my Savior is awesome. Walk with me. You know what I'm saying? See, church, I'm telling you, pretty much any time that we try to control our lives, any time that, that we try to control our lives instead of, instead of allowing God's power through faith in Jesus run our lives, any time we do that, we're believing a deluded gospel. How many of us have been walking and living a lie? And you might not say in every area, but if you were really true and honest with yourself today, you can say that I have been living my life and portraying a different gospel than what I believe. You can say that, you know what, I have allowed other people to dictate what I think the true gospel is, and I haven't been living it out. Maybe you looked around and you've seen so many fake people that you don't, you just, to be honest, you don't have the faith to believe in the true gospel. challenge you today to walk out of that because God is real God is true and even in your doubt he can turn your world upside down give him a chance this morning
See, church, I want to tell you, Paul says we have to fight for the true gospel. We have to fight for it. And if we just remain quiet, we just stay quiet and not say anything, it's, we're going to allow, the, we're gonna allow the, the, the tide of the world, the tide of religion to overthrow us and run over us. That's why you see so many churches that are walking in without power of the Holy Spirit because they've allowed the world to overcome them or religion to overcome them. And if we want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church, then we as God's people have got to say, you know what? I'm going to walk in the newness of the real gospel. I'm going to give it to God and let Him take control. What areas in your life are you holding on to, church? You know, Paul's strong language, I'm going to close on this and we're going to go home. But Paul's strong language in this shows me his desperate heart. He's so desperate for them. He, he realized what's at stake here. He realized that if they kept living the, the, the way they were living, if they would keep believing what they were believing, then they were going to, they were going to just dilute everything. And, and what happened was is they would have a lot of people believing a lie. How many people in our community believe a lie? Come on, how many people? And, 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 I, and I think that the reason that, that Paul's letters is history to my heart because I think a lot of times, like, we're kindred spirits because I, I just I read his word and I'm like, I put myself in his shoes. I feel his desperation because without the true gospel, people die and perish. People go to hell every day thinking they're right with God open their eyes to eternity separated from him. Why? Because they believed something that was not true. And it's nobody's fault but our own. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful who you watch. If people that you've put way up here, if they're walking in a way that is not God's in God's word, then guess what? You need to find somebody else to mentor you. Church, I'm telling you, he knew God's people at that time was following a perverted gospel. In verse 6, he told them, he said, turn away. If you keep going, you're going to turn away from the one who called you. See, what happens if you walk in a, in, in, in a way contrary to the gospel, eventually you're going to think there's no power in the gospel because, in this reality in what you're walking in because you're not walking in the, in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to be careful, church. See, he says, he says, look, he said, you will become and look at yourself with puffed up spirit. And you'll begin to condemn others. He knew that. He knew that you would look at people and you would begin to, to look and condemn other people because you put yourself up here and everybody down there, you're believing something contrary to the true gospel trying to control other people by enforcing your own rules on them. Church, I'm telling you, we got people feel like that in our community. How do we break that? We stay true to God's gospel. We stay true to the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, Paul, he was so passionate because he knew what was at stake. Do you really know what is at stake here? It's not your reputation. Lord, don't worry about that. It's not the church's reputation that's at stake here. It's not, what, it's not the way you look. It's the reputation of Jesus Christ. It's God. It's that that's at stake here. And he's going to build his church. But let me tell you, when you truly love Jesus, you don't want to do anything that makes him look bad. I don't want to do one thing that's going to make somebody think that there's no power in the name of Jesus because of the way I'm living. Because I'm living in my own little gospel instead of 
his gospel. See, we have to realize that this gospel, this good news is brought to each of us by God. Not to enslave us, but to free us so that we could enjoy the abundant life that Jesus came and died so we could have. I'm excited to know that I don't have to control my life anymore. That I can just say, God, do with it what you want. I have to fight for that every day because my sinfulness wants to control my life. And y'all can, can, can associate with me on that? But the trueness of the gospel, the realness of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel is what we have to fight for every single day. And as we close, church, Paul's passion, Paul's cry, I believe if Paul was standing here today, he would be screaming from the tops of his lungs, begging you, begging you, begging you to examine your heart, begging you to look at your life, begging you to say, am I truly God's? Am I truly surrendered? Am I truly living the gospel out? Am I truly, have I truly accepted the real gospel or am I walking in something contrary to God's gospel? Am I trying to live it out of my own goodness? Am I trying to live it out of my own rules? And what am I doing? Am I, am I allowing God to change me? Do I trust God to change my brother? Do I trust God to change my, oh Lord, my, my, my son? Come on. Do I trust God to change these people? Do I trust God to save my child? I mean, do you trust God? See, that's the trueness of the gospel is trusting in the Savior that loved you enough to send his son. Come on. See, this year, y'all better hold on because the reality is I'm not okay with us being a hype on Sunday. We got to grow. And I'm going to grow if y'all don't. Amen. I'll dance my little jig by myself. But the thing is, God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news is what saves us, is what saves you. Nothing that you can do can get you closer to God. And some of you in this room have been walking in condemnation. You think that, that you, you've done so much bad that there's no way that God loves you enough to over, to, for you to overcome that. The goodness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that he loves you in spite of you. Because the reality is our salvation was never about us. It was always about God. So church, I'm, before we even, uh, I'm gonna ask the, the worship team to come on up. And as they come, if you're here today and you've never truly accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're here today and you realize that you've been walking in religion and not a true relationship with God. Maybe you've been here today and you're like, you know what? I don't know what I believe. I'm, I'm so mixed up. I just, I really want to surrender my life to God, but I don't feel like I have a true relationship. If that's you today, I want to challenge you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand so we can pray with you, so we can walk with you. Everybody good? When the train pulls out this afternoon, we all going together. Amen? The reality is we're going to look out the window and there's going to be some of y'all sitting behind because you're too prideful to raise your hand, too prideful to say, I need Jesus. But the thing is this. The word's been preached. It's up to us to respond. What's God telling you today? What part in your heart do you need to change? What, what, what part of the gospel have you not accepted? What part of the gospel have you not been living out? Have you been living a false gospel? 
Do you know people that are, are being, living in that good gospel lifestyle that you need to pray for this morning? Prayer is powerful, amen? Let's don't be a people that are okay with standing on the sidelines. Let's get in the game. Let's pray. Let's repent. Let's seek God. Let's be people that are changing and moving for God, amen? If you will, stand with me. Father God, we come to you right now. We, God, as we close this sermon out, the service out, Father, I pray, God, for your Holy Spirit to move on us. And that God is, I pray you just begin to just talk to our hearts, Lord. Father, any self-reliance you'd bring to our attention, God, any, any uh, self, uh, I guess, righteousness would come to our mind, God. I pray, Father, that you would just help us, God. I pray, Father, that you would help us be your real people, and I pray that you would help us, Lord, you just move, and God, we would, we would submit to you today. God, I pray for each person in here, Lord, that if you're touching their heart, then God, they would do business with you. Help us, God, be, the, be real and be transparent. Because what transparency is, Lord, I know there's no pride, there's no arrogance, there's just a humble heart wanting to seek a glorious Savior. So God, we pray today that you'd have your way with us. Touch us, Lord, in Jesus' name.